0: I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is uh, Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019, I can't believe we're already in October, our third October here at the Wong Takes, and you know what that means, football's ramping up, the baseball playoffs are here, um, hockey is here in a week. Or no, today, sorry, hockey's here today, basketball's here in a few weeks. Uh, We are really getting into the heat of the sports calendar. We're out of the doldrums of summer, and now we are uh, here for good for the next few months. Uh, I'm really excited. And we've got mostly still, I think, going to talk about football, but if stuff comes up, you know, we'll, we'll hit at it. I think this week we're going to have some baseball talk because there was a crazy wild card game last night, uh, and I'm a little thin on the NFL this week, and probably next week too because I'm going on some, some field trips for a class, um, but nevertheless we will be here. But uh, as always, thank you for listening, and we are going to start out uh, with college football week, what was it, week four? No, week five. Already week five. In college football. We're about uh, 40% of the way through the thirty, thirty, forty 40 percent of the way through the season. Uh, last week, not too many humongous games. Uh, a little bit of... Uh, a little doldrum in the top 25 calendar at the very least. But nevertheless, uh, there were some interesting things. Most notably, my Bears going down. Uh, the local hour. Arizona State beat... Number fifteen, then number fifteen, now unranked again. Uh, Cal twenty-four to seventeen, and I think this game really came down to one thing, and that was Chase Garbers going down. The quarterback from Cal has really come into his own this year. Uh, had a career game uh, last week or two weeks ago against Ole Miss, and last week uh, the offense was starting to get rolling when he uh, hurt his shoulder, and it's going to be a long time. It looks like he's indefinitely out uh, for the Golden Bears. Um, and in this game, you could really see the effect of what happened when he went down. Uh, it'll be different in the sub- in the subsequent weeks because they'll be able to game plan um, around not having him there. But in this game, the offense really became one-dimensional once Garbers went down and it was established that Modster wasn't really able to make any deep throws uh, or even short throws. He missed a lot of them. Uh, part of that you can account due to the rain. There was kind of a constant low drizzle all night. But nevertheless, um, still disappointing. And actually, Cal's first uh, possession out of the out of the half without Garbers was a touchdown. Um, and it was 12 runs, no passes. So they kind of did punch ASU in the mouth and kind of maybe took him off guard. Um, but after that, ASU knew what was coming 90% of the time. Um, And once they were able to stop the run effectively, there was really no chance for the Bears. And even the last couple of drives, when Cal had a chance to take the lead and then tie, I really had zero confidence um, in the offense. And they did go three and out, or four and out, twice, um, because Von Modster just could not not complete a pass um, and, and generate momentum for this team. The defense also did slip a bit. Uh, particularly in the second half and toward the end of the game, it looked like they did get tired. Um, they really could not stop the run uh, for Arizona State, and Arizona State was consistently getting, you know, seven, eight yard runs on first down that they really, we really haven't seen out of that Bears defense this entire time, even in the first half. Uh, I was talking to my friend. One of my keys for this game was stop uh, or, or get negative plays, stop the run. Uh, from generating these nice first-down runs that set you up for success, and that's exactly what Arizona State was able to do in the second half, and it led to their uh, victory in this game. There were also a lot of just missed opportunities from Cal. A lot of things had to go wrong for Cal to lose this game, uh, and they all did. Uh, The interception to end the first half, uh, half—that having taking a field goal lead into the half, I think, would have made a pretty big difference, and, and, and going up 10, Uh, and and having all the momentum uh, would have been a big difference uh, for them. And also, after forcing the sack fumble, setting up themselves in great field position, uh, you almost felt that they had to score a touchdown there and they didn't even get a first down. They mustered a a long 47-yard field goal that was clutch. But nevertheless, uh, not being able to take advantage of that opportunity and not being able to shorten the game as well uh, I think made a pretty big difference and let Arizona State kind of continue along, uh, confident that if they could score, they could win this game. Um, that's exactly what happened. Now, in the big picture, uh, this loss made Cal or made the Pac-12 uh, full of teams with one loss. So uh, the Pac-12 did cannibalize itself as per usual, and this year it happened particularly quick. We're already in, or we're only a week and a half into conference play and there are no undefeated teams left in the Pac-12 and their playoff hopes are basically gone barring intense chaos at the top as per usual uh it's it does make for fun football i will say that you don't know what's going to happen game to game but if you're a college if you're a college football fan in in the macro sense you kind of want to see some of that conference pride um but it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year yet again uh so you know you do you you' you you only can do so much uh, with the chaos that's been happening um but and cal probably wasn't going to go undefeated anyway uh if you look at their schedule coming up, but nevertheless it's still tough so now for the bears uh their probably their main goal is to make the Rose Bowl i mean they've still got a good team if they can uh if if Garbers isn't out for the year, if this isn't a devastating injury uh you you, you hope at least that he is is able to come back and save this team. But Cal, at this point, still kind of controls their own destiny uh, as far as winning the conference and, and probably making it into the Rose Bowl if they win the conference. Uh, that's, that, that would be my foremost goal for, that, for the team now, is to make the Rose Bowl. If you look at the standings, they're second in the Pac-12 North right now. Every other team has, except for Oregon, has at least one in-conference loss. Now, Cal plays Oregon next week. So if they can beat Oregon, they take the tiebreaker over both them and Washington. And then that would mean that if they end up with the same amount of losses, Cal would own the tiebreaker. Now, the only other team with one loss in the conference is Oregon State. And Oregon State will be playing at Berkeley in three weeks for the homecoming game. So Cal does control their own destiny as far as winning the North. And I think they have a legitimate shot at doing it. Uh, they they can always hope for more losses as well. Now as far as the South, there's some stiff competition there, uh, but I think they've got a real chance uh, to to make some noise here. All of the Pac-12 I think is vulnerable, uh, and they've there's some tough schedules out there in the West. But uh, I'm looking forward still to the rest of the year for this this Bears team. It's it's really it's not over. Uh, the other big ranked game this week, uh, USC Washington wasn't that big of a deal, but Notre Dame and Virginia. Uh, Virginia had won the first four games this year but don't, didn't have that marquee win yet, and you felt that if this team wanted to prove that they were legit, uh, they had to go to South Bend uh, and compete with a Notre Dame team that barely lost to maybe the best team in the country in Georgia. And I think they proved that Virgin, this Virginia team that they are legit. They stood toe to toe with Notre Dame for a long time in this game, um, but ultimately it it came down to Notre Dame's persistence and their pass rush. Uh, this was a tight game until kind of until the end, and multiple plays from the Irish: the sack, deflection, uh, to the interception, to set up the go ahead touchdown. Um, as well as the forced fumble scoop and score uh, ended up being the difference, two touchdowns. And I think if Virginia cleans those things up, their run game is good, the pass game is good, uh, their quarterback is really dynamic, and I think uh, they can set up, and Bronco Mendenhall has set up this program uh, for success. Notre Dame, meanwhile, uh, I think has a legitimate shot uh, to make the playoff. Right now, they are ranked, I think, ninth in the country? Yeah, ninth in the country. And they've got uh, a schedule that is conducive to them proving themselves some more. They've still got USC coming up, and they've also got Michigan coming up. And if they can win both of those games... And there's some cannibalism at the top. I mean, it's the SEC. You've got Alabama playing uh, Georgia and Auburn. You've got Auburn playing Florida uh, this upcoming week. And Wisconsin and Oklahoma uh, are still vulnerable as well, and LSU will be playing some of those teams because they're in the SEC. So uh, Notre Dame's got a real shot at this playoff. If they can win out, look good doing it, um, and hope for some some uh, cannibalism uh, in the rest of the top ten. Uh, I think the Irish have a shot at making the playoff again, but I, I also wouldn't I, I also don't think they've got a super realistic shot at winning the championship um because of how Clemson embarrassed them last year and I don't really see much different. Although Clemson did look vulnerable this week against North Carolina, but I think that's more of a fluke than anything. Uh so those were I think the big games from last week. Elsewhere, I mean Wisconsin barely escaped. Uh, Clemson barely escaped, um, but the rest of the top ten or so looked very good. I mean, Auburn destroyed Mississippi State, and Ohio State pummeled Nebraska. And what was billed as a pretty good game, but I don't think anyone really doubted that it wasn't going to be close. And as far as the rest, as far as next week, we've got some good matchups on the docket. Iowa and Michigan is an interesting one because uh, Iowa is four um, zero, and if they want to. B, prove that they can compete for the Big Ten crown. Uh, Their schedule so far has not been particularly tough. Miami, Ohio, Rutgers, Iowa State, and Middle Tennessee. And so if they can win this game, that kind of propels them into that conversation because they've got a tough schedule up ahead, Penn State and Wisconsin, within the next four weeks. Meanwhile, Michigan, after the embarrassing loss to wisconsin has another chance to prove itself against the top 25 team um, and maybe propel themselves back toward the college football playoff conversation. They've still got Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State on their schedule. Um, and so they're by no means out of this race. Um, and, but they're going to have to start with a win against Iowa. Um, and if they can build some momentum from that 52-0 win over Rutgers, uh, that would be very beneficial for their case. We've also got a top 10 matchup this week, Auburn and Florida, the matchup between two 5-0 teams. I think it's really going to be a proving ground for Bo Nix, because he's so good at times, bad at times, um, but this is his kind of second marquee matchup after the Texas A&M game, and uh, he's got, or and sorry, his third after the Oregon and Texas A&M games, and now he's got Florida uh, to go to, going to Gainesville. Auburn's Uh, giving 3.5 in this game, or favored by 3 points in this game. Um, And so I'm curious to see how the Tigers perform in Gainesville. We've also got, at night, or at 5 o'clock, Cal taking on Oregon. Uh, This is going to be a tough matchup, particularly to see if the Bears' defense can hold up against Justin Herbert. They did very well against Jacob Eason when they went up to Seattle and won. Um, But the question is, this Oregon offense... Uh, has not looked as good this year as it did last year, um, but it's still a very dynamic offense, um, and I think Cal's gonna have a tough time stopping them. Um, but we—it uh, stands to be seen. Okay, moving on to the NFL. Uh, like I said, I was uh, kind of away on Sunday, so I didn't get—I wasn't able to watch too many of the games. Um, but there was a lot of chaos that happened uh, this week with. I believe five undefeated teams going down. And there were some matchups, I think, or some results that maybe we didn't expect. The Giants built off a great start from Daniel Jones um, and destroyed Washington 24-3. to The Redskins still uh, without a win. Meanwhile, Tennessee went into Atlanta and won 24-10 to in a matchup between one and two teams. The Falcons uh, are in some real trouble now even though Matt Ryan had a pretty decent game. Uh, The Chiefs barely scraped by Detroit, giving the Lions their first loss. Meanwhile, uh, over in Cleveland, in a game that wasn't even as close as the score suggests, uh, the Browns destroyed the Ravens uh, over in Baltimore with the big games from Nick Chubb, who had three touchdowns, and Baker Mayfield, who had 342 yards and a touchdown to pick. Also, the Bucs beat the Rams in what is, I think, surprising to everybody. Ultimately, it was the Rams' defense that ended up letting them down in this game. Um, And also the O-line toward the end, uh, with Goff's potential game-tying drive getting stifled by a uh, sack fumble and a score. I think that one was just a crazy back-and-forth game. I was only able to catch the end of it, unfortunately. Uh, the Bears held the Vikings to just six points uh, and, took, and took the win even after Mitchell Trubisky uh, left the game with a shoulder injury on the opening possession. Uh, also, Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars uh, went into Denver and beat them 26-24. I'm still com- cautiously optimistic uh, with Gardner Minshew. Also, the Saints without Drew Brees holding the Cowboys to just 10 points. Uh, in, a, in a surprisingly defensive game, I think Teddy Bridgewater's kind of turned the corner a little bit uh, as a game manager and is really showing signs that he can hold this team afloat uh, without Drew Brees. And also, the Stanger's Steelers destroying the Bengals on Monday Night Football, but that surprises no one. I think we're starting to see uh, a lot of polarization in the NFL right now as far as the standings go. A lot. There aren't too many teams that are that look that are kind of not undefeated, but look like they're in the mix. Now the Niners are kind of one of them, uh, or the Niners are kind of the opposite of that, where they're undefeated, where maybe they uh, and, and surpassing expectations a little bit. But right now it looks like the Patriots, the Chiefs, and kind of everyone else. Now the Chiefs' defense or the Chiefs' offense did show some cracks. In that game, but nevertheless they they're, they are really the main contenders uh, at this point for a Super Bowl, um, and a lot of the other teams that we thought might float to the bottom are floating to the bottom denver washington uh, Atlanta are some examples and so I think going forward for the rest of the season or at least these next couple of weeks it's going to be interesting to see if any teams can break that mold and Show that maybe they are a power to contend with. Looking forward to the playoffs. I think Cleveland maybe is a candidate for that. Dallas may be a candidate for that. If they can recover from this horrible offensive showing. Um, And and we'll see if the Niners can keep up this this streak. They've got an interesting matchup on Monday night against the Browns. Before going to LA. To the now newly vulnerable Rams. Oh yeah. The Rams are contenders as well. Sorry. I forgot about that. Um, But. I think it's going to be an interesting rest of the month and rest of the season uh, as well. So for the first time in this uh, round two version of the Wong takes, not something besides football. Last week, or last night, there was a crazy wild card game in the NL between Milwaukee and Washington. And it was 3-1 to one, heading into the uh, eighth inning, bottom of the eighth when Josh Hader came into the game for the Brewers. Now, he'd struggled at points this year, but he had a really good September. Um, And he'd come in for two-inning saves many, many times. But I don't know why. I still have this feeling with Josh Hader that, to quote Mike Kruko, he can get a wild hair up his nose every once in a while. You never know what to expect with him at times. And in this game, his control was very off. Uh, and it didn't look like he had command of a lot of his of his fastball uh, at times, and ultimately he ended up throwing one in Juan Soto's happy zone uh, to to win this or to uh, take the lead for the Nationals. Um, and baseball is a complex game, but at the end of the day, a lot of what it is is you can't give away free base runners, and by hitting a batter in a three-two count um, when you with the way the Nationals had been swinging their bats, you probably could have gotten him to swing on basically anything within a foot of the strike zone. And also, giving up a walk to Rendon, although at the time wasn't the worst option. But nevertheless, he's got a really good fastball, and his lack of command, I think, is ultimately what ended up costing him this game. Now, a lot of the blame is going to go to the right fielder, Trent Grisham, for botching that ball in right field, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you've got to get in front of that ball. Um, But it still would have been a tie game, and not all of the fault should go on him. I think a lot of it should go on Hayter as well. Um, But what a hit by Juan Soto, the 20-year-old. Making that Washington Nationals lineup look really dangerous. When you can follow up Anthony Rendon, the the possible MVP in the NL, with a a phenom like Soto, uh, who's got power and can swing for average, that's a really dynamic combo. That I don't you at any point in the game you want those two up, and particularly in clutched crunch time, uh, you can get. If Soto proves that he is that type of player, um, I worry for the future of the league <laughs> uh, with the way this. If they can hold, if the Nationals can hold this band together, and even in this this season, I think they can make some noise against L. A. Obviously, as a Giants fan, I'm rooting for them to make some noise against L. A. Um, But if they can bring the power uh, to Dodger Stadium and steal a game there uh, and take home field advantage, they've got a legitimate chance to win this series. Now, it is the baseball playoffs. Anyone has a legitimate chance to win any series. Um, But I think this this playoffs is going to be really exciting. I mean, in the East, you've got the Rays and the uh, Athletics playing And both of those teams could upset the Astros, and particularly if the A's win it being a divisional matchup, uh, I'd be very excited for that. Also the uh, Twins and the Yankees, the slugging Twins against the New York Yankees, the Bronx Bombers, the two teams with the highest home run totals this season uh, to this point. Uh, That's going to be really fun to watch as a neutral observer. Also, the Cardinals, who are really, really hot against the Braves, who have been solid all year, uh, is going to be a really fun immovable force versus oh, unstoppable force versus immovable object. Yes, that is the right analogy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to all these matchups. Um, I think we're going to have a really fun postseason heading from October into November. Quick take uh, Vontaze Burfict, the very controversial linebacker. Actually, I don't really know if he's controversial anymore. <laughs> I think public opinion has kind of swayed one direction. But suspended for the rest of the season following his uh, hit on a defenseless Colts player. Boy, if you watch the hit, I mean, it's it doesn't look super bad at first. But if you look at the slow-mo, it is horrible. Uh, and... I I mean, I don't know how you come back from that. Uh, for a guy who's got, maybe if it's a first-time thing, you give him an excuse, but for someone with a, a history of this behavior, uh, it's it, it's indefensible, basically. I mean, you can't go headhunting, particularly when a guy is, like, basically going down. Like, at least we lead with the shoulder, my guy, like... You, you might have gotten, like, thrown out of the game, but you're not su- suspended for the season and maybe kicked out of the NFL. Uh, now, they're going to appeal this, and they might win, but the the pattern of behavior is still there. I mean, the Raiders kind of came into this year thinking they have some guys that they can reform for the better. Antonio Brown, Vontaze Perfect. And neither of them has panned out for the team, especially uh, Brown, of course, uh, not even playing a single game. Um, Perfect as well now getting tossed out for the rest of the year in just week four. I, I honestly don't know what the solution is for Perfect at this point. Don't just... You, you, he's, if he's not going to change how he's going to play, if this is the thing that isn't able to kick him back in the pants and get him back on the right path, I don't know what will. I mean, this is his livelihood, right? And his, his head, too. Uh, is in real trouble, I think, as well. If you're looking at the health of not only the people he hits, but him himself, uh, he's going to be in pretty deep trouble. Um, and hes it, it said something that he's moved from being a polarizing figure to now pretty much being universally disliked. And that says something about the way that he has played for so long. Thanks so much for listening to The Wong Takes. Check out the podcast, bit.ly slash the uh, email the long at gmail.com. Uh, rate the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Check out my podcast, new podcast here at Cowell, bit.ly slash Berkeley Pod, bit.ly slash Berkeley Pod iOS, bit.ly slash Berkeley Pod Android. Send questions and voicemails. Uh, thank you so much for listening, as always, and uh, I'll see you next week.